Hello, everybody. It's your girl, Cassandra from Let's Talk Medical Assisting. And this week's episode is episode four. This week's episode features Terry, a medical assistant from the great state of New Jersey. And Terry is dropping some great nuggets about what it takes and how things are going for her as a medical assistant. Please sit back and enjoy episode number four. How are you? I'm good, Cassandra. How are you? I am good. Thank you for allowing me to interview you today. I am so excited. I'm excited too. Thank you for asking me. You're welcome. So we're going to just jump right into it. Tell us about yourself. Share as much information as you feel comfortable. Okay. So um, I'm 36. I'm from Northern New Jersey. Um, in a um, small town. I'm about like 20 minutes from New York and um, I'm single. I actually care for my sister. So I live with my sister. She's um, very high function, developmentally disabled. Um, So the two of us live together. Um, I'm very close with my family and my friends and I enjoy cooking and going out, having girl night and normal things that ladies enjoy doing sounds interesting and exciting I'm from Delaware so I am okay I did not live too far from New Jersey and I actually had some family that used to live in Hackensack New Jersey and then they moved to Delaware from Hackensack at all yeah and I actually my best friend her brother went to um Udell so I'm familiar with um you guys call it Newark right yes yep I've been there plenty of times Okay, great. I'm mm-hmm. in Atlanta now, no longer okay. in Delaware. I've been here for a few years. Okay. <clears throat> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing some information about yourself. Mm-hmm. So since this is a podcast about medical assistance, let's mm-hmm. start with what made you decide to become a medical assistant? So um, I definitely knew I wanted to be in the medical field and believe it or not, I actually wanted to be a dental hygienist. And then I was like, "Mm, I don't know if that's really for me. So I always knew I wanted to be, like I said, somewhat in the medical field. So when I graduated high school, I kind of like let the summer get the best of me. So, you know, September rolled around. I was like, shoot, what am I going to do? Like, it's too late to enroll in school. And a good friend of mine was like, well, I just like went to this school and it's a trade program, you know, why don't you go look at it? And I was like, sure. So I had went me and another close friend of mine. I was like, wow, like, this is really interesting. And, um, you know, it's like a quick program and it's something that if I don't like it, you know, I can at least finish it. And by the time, you know, there's another semester that rolls around, I could enroll in school. So I went, I met with, you know, admissions and I got to look around and I even got to, you know, meet with, uh, you know, other students. And I really was like, you know what, this looks like something I would be definitely interested in. So that's how I really got into, you know, going to medical assisting school. Okay, that sounds similar to the same kind of uh, how I got into medical mm-hmm. assisting as well. Mm-hmm. So, um. How long was your program? So my program was nine months. Um, It was a nine month program. Yeah. And are you certified? And if so, what company are you certified with? 
so I'm registered. Um, my school, um, my school actually, the school that I went to, it was called Satone Institute. It's no longer named that anymore. I guess they were taken over by Lincoln Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm with AMT. Okay, that's a very popular um, yeah. company. That's a really good one, too. Yeah. Um, Lincoln Tech is a popular school because they had some um, in Pennsylvania, and then I moved mm-hmm. down here, and they even have some down here so they're like all over yeah so I think um I think they like bought out my school Mm -hmm. because when I when I went to my school you know I've never heard of it and I think there was only maybe like one other school in in New Jersey like there was the one that I went to in Paramus New Jersey and then there was one I want to say either in Union or Jersey City and they only had like either medical assisting or billing And then they had like IT and that was it. And then, you know, obviously I graduated. There was no need for me to go back. But, you know, years later, I saw that Lincoln Tech took over and I was like, wow, you know, something or whatever the situation was. But I did see that they offer more things for medical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So I know that we had already had a few conversations before this actual interview. And I thought Mm -hmm. that um, looking at the information that you shared, it was great because you're going to bring some jewels to today's interview. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So I see that you've worked in a variety of settings. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of your previous positions and out of all of them, which one was or is your favorite and why? Um, so you know what? I always go back. Um, like I love what I do now. So what I do now is I'm in a pain management neurosurgery practice. So I'm with a neurosurgeon once a week and I scribe for him and I assist him and scribing can be a little bit nerve wracking because, you know, while you're listening and you literally have to type and put everything in. And before that, you're triaging the patient, you know, everything from putting in vitals and their medications, et cetera. And then when the doctor's in there and he's um, examining them and you're literally having to put everything in from their complaints to the doctor's findings to, um, you know, if they're adding medications, if they're talking about doing surgery and things like that, you literally have to remember any and everything. It's very fascinating and you learn so much. Um And then the other four days a week, I'm with the anesthesiologist who's the pain management doctor. We're doing procedures. And I love it because it's so hands-on where he's doing epidurals and nerve blocks, RF ablations, and just the satisfaction of helping people. I just love it. So I love it so much because I do that. But I always go back and forth with what I did right out of school, which was my internship where I was hired was internal medicine. I feel like internal medicine, you learn so much. I don't know if you've ever done internal medicine, yes. Yes. but I think you get it. Like, or anybody who's been an internal medicine MA, you literally, anybody who walks in the door, it's so different. You can get somebody who comes in with, you know, they cut themselves to somebody who's coming in for a blood pressure issue. Like it's just any and everything. And I feel like when you have done internal medicine, you learn so much because you just don't know what's coming through the door. I agree. You see everything. Mm -hmm. You do the general, Mm -hmm. but then you also get all of the 
most most internal medicine practices have like the morning where they mm-hmm. see their physicals and mm-hmm. whatnot, and then the afternoon is like uh, urgent care. So right, you see everything. Right. So if you start at urge um at internal medicine, you're well rounded mm-hmm. because you get a yeah. little bit of everything. So that's, you are absolutely correct. You get everything. Right. And I say, I'm so thankful. Like, you know, I started internal medicine. I'm talking like, oh my God, 2005. (laughs) And I was there for like three years, but he medicine slash cardiology. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he did, I feel like he mostly was internal medicine and, um, but he did see like a great deal of cardiology too. But like I said, I just learned so much from that practice and being that I was fresh out of school I was just like so wide open to like taking everything in and wanting to do and know and you know he had a very busy practice he you know he had so many machines and things and it was a great learning experience I always say that Definitely. And it sounds like you also had a great attitude too, and were willing Mm -hmm. and able and just ready to learn everything that you can Mm -hmm. learn. So that's definitely see, and this is a key point for medical assistance. Mm -hmm. You can have a position where it's not just getting vital signs, but like Terry said, she actually worked with, she assisted the anesthesiologist in procedures in the office. So don't yeah. think medical assisting is just, okay, bring the patient back to the room, get their vital signs, no. ask their medical history, and that's it. No, there's so much that you can do. Yeah, no, like, absolutely. On this past Tuesday, me and the doctor who I'm with, we did a kyphoplasty. Now, again, every state is different. Every, you know, every department is different. Every physician likes to handle things differently. The physician who I work with, he's a firm believer in, anesthesia is not necessarily needed. Why does a patient need anesthesia if it's not necessary? Because it's harmful on a patient's body. So if you can give local, make somebody comfortable and possibly give them like a Valium or a Xanax to make them comfortable, why put somebody under anesthesia? There's so many complications. So we did a surgical procedure in a comfortable setting. Of course, all procedures and protocols were followed, but we did a surgical procedure in an office. Yes. Now, <laughs> yes. Now, mind you, of course, the, he is a board certified anesthesiologist. He knows what to do. And I assisted him in that surgical procedure. So that's that makes you as a medical assistant feel very needed. It definitely does. And it just goes to show how medical assisting has evolved over the years. Absolutely. Years ago, you didn't help. You weren't assisting with those type of things. They had a nurse. But now we are evolving and we're actually right there assisting the doctor. So that's great. And Mm -hmm. another thing about a doctor performing small office procedures in the office, it's cost less cost for the patient as well versus yes. going to and the they surgery love that. center or the hospital and I'm, I'm with your doctor if I can do it and they you don't have to get put under general anesthesia why not it's so mm-hmm. many risks going under anesthesia and a lot of people have underlying conditions and yep. sometimes it's just not conducive so that's awesome mm-hmm. that is awesome absolutely So I find that you are unique as a medical assistant since you have worked both front and back office. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us how your day was working in the front office as a medical assistant? 
So um, when I used to work in offices, even now, like I do it now, um, working in the front for me, um, it would be typically, you know, phone calls, heavy volume of phone calls, um, ensuring that patient information was put in appropriately, anywhere from driver's license, making sure their name and address, things like that were appropriate, um, insurance information, um, making sure appointments were done appropriately. And then, of course, you know, dealing face to face with patients, especially at the front desk, as anybody can imagine, is hard. Yes. You know, we're the first people that they see. So, nine times out of 10, it's usually a good experience, but then you get that one or two that it's not always a happy time because they're frustrated. They're not happy. Why are they waiting? Um, so, you know, sometimes you have to just play nice and, you know, make it a better experience for them. Um, I would say definitely just a lot of phone calls and cleaning up messes, things like that. I, I love that you did both because mm -hmm. I know everyone doesn't like things like blood or body fluids mm -hmm. or dealing with patients in that aspect. So this mm -hmm. just shows that as a medical assistant, you don't necessarily have to do the clinical side of it. If you choose, you could do the front or right. the office <clears throat> part of it as well and still be a medical assistant. So mm -hmm. I think it's great that you've done both and you can share the difference between working in the back versus working in the front. So that's mm -hmm. great. That's definitely great. So another thing that I think is great that stood out about you was the fact that you have also held a lead medical assistant mm -hmm. position. And I think it's awesome. So let's talk about that. How did you get that title? And did you have any additional duties besides regular yeah. medical assistant duties with that role? Yeah. So when I was in um, a neurology practice, they actually have that where I am now. Um, just I'm. So let me back back step. So I was in neurology practice. It was a very busy practice. They had um, six neurologists. So when they initially interviewed me, I was um, the only medical assistant that they had at the time and the office manager just very busy. So they needed to bring in medical assistants and they were looking for a lead. And I said, well, what would that entail? And they said from, you know, time to time you would assist in procedures. I said, okay, that's fine. Um, and then they said, eventually we'll be hiring more medical assistants and we would need them to answer to you in the aspect of if they have questions regarding patient medications and things like that, how to basically handle day-to-day -day things that aren't as important to go to the doctors for, um, you know, make some semi, um, important answers to to not bother the doctor since they're so busy seeing patients rounding at the hospitals things like that and then also like handling samples like the sample closet ordering supplies and things like that making sure everybody was um you know arriving to work on time scheduling and it was great I feel like it helped a lot in the office um everybody had a positive attitude and, and it was a great atmosphere because it was such a busy practice and it helped me grow because it was small office, but a lot to do. So it made me grow as like, as far as a medical assistant, because 
it seemed like it wouldn't be too much to do when you first walked in. I'm like, well, there's not really much to do here clinically. But then when you got there, you're like, wow, like there really is a lot that I can do here. So I was like really taken back and I felt like this is a great thing that they asked me to do this. Absolutely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, That's great. And the fact that it's, were they a startup? Were they just starting the practice? No, no. They've been there for years. They were a practice that were there for over like 30 years. Oh, wow. Well, mm-hmm. it, the fact that you were able to come in as a new MA mm-hmm. and also get typically a leadership right? because that's what lead MA is. That's great. Um, I work in pediatric neurology, so I know how busy neurology yeah. can be. So yeah. that's really awesome. And I like the fact that, you know, they they saw in you like, okay, she's good and we can trust her with this. We think she'll be a great asset. So that's awesome. Yeah, I was so, so, so humbled by the whole experience. I was very thankful. Definitely. And it just paves the way for you mm-hmm. if you decide in the future, any other uh, leadership uh, roles and responsibilities, you already have that experience. So yes, yes, definitely. That is great. So medical assistance, that's another thing to consider that there are leadership roles, such as the lead medical assistant that can definitely be pursued. Right, definitely. So have you decided to pursue nursing yet? Or are you still undecided? So, you know, when I first graduated medical assisting school, I took off maybe like five, six months. And then I did go back to like County College. Mm -hmm. And I started taking classes. And I did, you know, like the basic classes like sociology, psychology, and I took a few other courses. And then I had stopped for a while because work was, you know, it was fulfilling to me. And I felt like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to pursue it right now. And then I just threw myself into work and I was okay. And, you know, I've always gone back and forth about going back to school. And, and then I said, well, you know, maybe I'll do LPN instead of RN. I'll do LPN. And again, I don't know how it is in different states. Um, I just know like in New Jersey or in the New York, New Jersey area, um, LPNs are more needed in like nursing or retirement homes Mm -hmm. versus hospitals in our area. So now to do an LPN, I'm not going to say it's not necessary or not needed, but it would, I wouldn't say it would be a waste, but it wouldn't be as needed as doing your RN. So then I'm like, well, should I go back and do RN? And then COVID hit. Yeah. So, but that being said, I actually had applied to a program. I got accepted. Then COVID hit. Everything shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And everything shut down and it was like well I don't know what I want to do because it just really you know a lot of things changed with COVID a lot of things opened your eyes and you know it's not that I don't want to be a nurse but it's just so much responsibility and you know I still I still like go back and forth about doing it. It's just a matter of what type of nursing I would want to do. Because I've always said, if I become a nurse, I would want I I like trauma. Like mm-hmm. that's my type of thing. Like I like to do trauma or I would like to be an OR nurse. So, you know, for me, it's again, it would be right <clears throat> in the thick of things. 
So, you know, I constantly go back and forth about things because with COVID, it's clearly not going away. And I, unfortunately, I had contracted COVID while at work and I was very sick. So, you know, I don't know right now about it. I I just think about it. Yeah, I understand. I understand that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. And I have been in your shoes as well with going back and forth about do I pursue nursing Mm -hmm. or do I not? But I'm glad that you have recovered from COVID. Thank you. You're welcome. COVID has just touched yeah. so many lives and just changed yeah. um, whole entire families. I do. Um, you you made some good points about how COVID not just touching people's lives, but it changed everything. People mm-hmm. there were there were doctors who literally could not get um, a fellowship or an right. internship because right. of COVID. You had nurses who were like in clinicals and all of a sudden there mm-hmm. was nowhere they can go. So mm-hmm. it really did affect healthcare in a really dramatic way and changed mm-hmm. the trajectory of so many things. You right. also made a point about the LPNs um, and what they can do. And I have noticed when I lived in Delaware, most LPNs either worked at the prisons or they worked right. at a nursing home or like a long-term right. care facility, those sort of um, settings versus a hospital. Right. But down here in the South, it's a little different. Right. So um, a lot of the LPNs work in like a lot of the practices just like we do. Their roles are pretty much the same as a medical assistant, but they have a, additional duties, things that we can't do they can do they also use lpns a lot in supervisory roles which i think is great because i'm like up north why don't they do that i don't it's like lpns are just limited to what they can do so down here it's like a whole new world Mm -hmm. as to what lpns are doing because you do hear that phrase oh they're being phased out and that's Mm -hmm. more of a issue up north than down here so it's just weird how i know the same country but different areas use lpns and i say it all the time too like i feel like to me and i could be wrong anybody could correct me i feel like they make it so hard up here to get your rn than anywhere else i feel like up here like even to get into a nursing program like a standard two-year program not even a bachelor's they make it so hard For you to get accepted to a program, you can have all of your prerequisites done. You can have a letter of recommendation from like a top doctor and they will be like, no, you can't get in. You have to wait. You can, you can literally ask for any shift, a day program, a night program. They'll be like, it doesn't matter. But yet you can move to like the middle of, and I hate, you know, just picking anywhere. You can move to the middle of Nebraska, Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. even Texas. And you could like get in like the snap yeah. of finger and they'll be like no you don't need a letter and it's like wait what yep like yeah. it's just crazy to me and I just feel like they say they need nurses they say they want people and I just don't understand it like everything should be the same across the board but you know it kind of it discourages you and you know it just makes you feel like what am I doing wrong yeah. but at the end of the day it is what it is you know yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, 
it definitely can be discouraging. I, I tried to pursue nursing when I lived up there and it was the same thing. I went through the prerequisites. There was mm-hmm. 30 seats, but you had 200 people applying for these right. seats. And it gets discouraging. And it's like, I feel like I wasted my time mm-hmm. working on these classes, like mm-hmm. putting my all into this. And then I have to wait and apply again later. So I I get what you're saying. It is so hard. And then down here, they have schools everywhere. They have one school where you literally can start in the RN program. Um, you just take a you take the um, NCLEX, which, of course, everybody has to take. No, not NCLEX, ATITs. As long mm-hmm. as you pass that, you're in. Like, right. Go to school. And I'm like, that's crazy. It's expensive. But right. you're going to school, and when you graduate, you're an RN. Whereas, right, it was so hard. But there's so many stipulations for nurses too. Like um, down here, a lot of nurses are required to have the vaccination. We, at my job, the company I work for, is a, one of the biggest healthcare systems in North Georgia. We lost so many people because they either let them go because they just did not get vaccinated, or they quit themselves when it came out that. You had to be vaccinated by this time. It was horrible. Like, mm. it, we would come to work and I'm like, there's nobody here. <laughs> what are we oh supposed to do? Yeah. That's another I mean, issue. Yeah, of that's COVID. like, a, I know, I know. They're starting that up here with certain places and it's not right. It's, it's your choice, you know? And the vaccines not even working I don't think but here we go going off right on a tangent right about this <laughs> vaccine but um I agree just I think that you know if people have the credentials to do the job just let them do it as long as right. everybody's wearing their PPE and doing right. what they're supposed to do because two years ago nobody had the vaccine and yet people right. were working without the stuff that they needed exactly so exactly we're just gonna we are just gonna um, hope that things change and that, mm-hmm. you know, the powers of that be decides, you know, hey, we made a mistake. We need to do something because people are still getting sick. Healthcare still needs people to do all of these jobs. And Agreed. So something has to give. Agreed. So, Moving on, mm-hmm. what advice do you have for a student medical assistant or a new medical assistant? So I would always say um, the biggest thing is always have a positive attitude. Having a positive attitude goes like farther than you can imagine. Um, when it comes to patient care, um, definitely tr- the way I look at it, treat everybody as if they're your family member, even if they're the nastiest person, you know, nine times out of 10, they come back and they tell you, I'm so sorry. I was having a bad day. I shouldn't have treated you like that. I shouldn't have talked to you like that. And in your mind, you'll be like, wow, they really realized they were being nasty to me. It usually always happens that way. It's rare that somebody will just be nasty and not say anything. Right. Um, But having a positive attitude goes a long way. A lot of times people will say so-and-so, they're so nice. They come every day. They have a great attitude. They're willing to learn. Um, Whatever you're going through at home, leave it at the door. Don't tell anybody. I mean, there are certain circumstances you have to just let people know. I get it. You know, we all, life, life happens. But, you know, whatever you could do, leave it at the door. Come in with a positive attitude. Always be willing to help. 
always be willing to go the extra mile, you know, within your limits that you feel you can handle it. And I feel like it just goes a long way. Absolutely. That's some great advice. It is nothing worse than working alongside someone who is miserable Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. complaining all the time Mm -hmm. or just Mm -hmm. not happy. It makes the whole environment. It makes it worse. It brings you down. Yes. It's like a hostile environment. almost. It brings you down. Absolutely. think people understand that your mood you can walk in a room and change the entire mood of everyone in you that feel room. it yes so if you, you come in you and feel you're the positive energy. and you're upbeat you can make everybody that you encounter for the most part have that same attitude but if you're like miserable people can feel that energy and they they can feed off of it so Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And especially if we're here to help take care of people and make them feel better, we should try to be positive at all times. I agree. I agree. Well, I thank you for letting me um, interview you. I thank you so much. You're welcome. You gave some great nuggets. And I just. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I love all of the information that you shared. And hopefully, another medical assistant will listen to this and feel empowered and know that. Yes, definitely. It's way more to medical assisting than just rooming a patient. So I thank you. Yes. And as soon as this is edited, I will send you a link so you can take a listen to it as well. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for your platform. I appreciate everything you do, truly. Oh, truly. you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, thank you. And you have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.